Hello, this is Aban from Newslaundry.com, bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Thursday, the 24th of November. Hearing petitions seeking reforms in the appointment of election commissioners, the Supreme Court on Thursday questioned the haste and tearing hurry in appointing Arun Goel as the election commissioner. Goel is a recently retired IS officer. The bench said it was not questioning Goel's credentials, but only the process of his appointment. The five-judge constitution bench, led by Justice K.M. Joseph, also said it is struggling to find the reasons behind the selection of four names within such a short period after the vacancy was announced. The court's remarks came a day after it asked the centre to produce files related to Goel's selection, saying that the government should not fear producing the files if they were right, as they claimed. On the independence of the appointment process, the court presented a hypothesis. It said, and I quote, Do you think the election commissioner... If he's asked to take on none less than the Prime Minister, it's just an example, and he doesn't come around to doing it, will it not be a case of complete breakdown of the system? Unquote. The court earlier mentioned how Article 324 does not specify a procedure for the appointment, but envisages a law by the Parliament. Despite the Supreme Court's directions, there has been a rise in the number of candidates with criminal backgrounds who are contesting the first phase of the Gujarat elections, scheduled to be held on December 1st, according to a report released by the Association of Democratic Reforms on Thursday. While the highest number of candidates with criminal backgrounds are in the Aam Party, there has been a decrease in the number of such candidates for the BJP, while the numbers have remained nearly the same for the Congress. Among the candidates contesting the first phase, 21% have a criminal background as compared to the 15% in the first phase of the 2017 Gujarat elections. There has also been a jump in the number of Karodpati candidates. According to the report, 89% of the BJP candidates contesting the first phase are Karodpatis with an average asset size of Rs 13.4 crore. The richest candidate, Ramesh Tilala, with more than Rs 175 crore of assets, is the BJP's candidate from Rajkot South. In the first phase, 27% of the 788 candidates are Karodpatis, while this figure was 21% in the 2017 elections. Listeners, the News Laundry team is in Gujarat to bring you ground reports, interviews, and another election show. A coverage like this requires a lot of resources and we do this without any corporate or government ad money. So power our election coverage by going to newslaundry.com and clicking on the NLCNA button. Newslaundry is able to hold the media accountable as we are not funded either by corporations or the government, but because we run on the support of our subscribers. Power us to help support public interest journalism and counter hate. The border dispute between Maharashtra and Karnataka is in the headlines again, with Maharashtra Deputy Chief Minister Devendra Fadnavis and Karnataka Chief Minister Basavraj Bombay attacking each other. On Wednesday, Fadnavis had assured that Maharashtra will not lose a single village, a remark which Bombay termed provocative. Bombay said, and I quote, Maharashtra Deputy Chief Minister Devendra Fadnavis has made a provocative statement on the Karnataka-Maharashtra border issue, and his dream will never come true. Our government is committed to protecting the country's land, water and borders." Unquote. Hitting out at the BJP, NCP leader Supriya Sule said that rekindling the dispute will not serve the interests of any state, now that Karnataka and Maharashtra have the same party in power. The remarks by Fadnavis came after the Karnataka chief minister said his government is prepared to contest the dispute in the Supreme Court. Since its inception in 1960, Maharashtra has been entangled in a dispute with Karnataka over the status of Belgaum, also called Belgavi district, and 80 other Marathi-speaking villages which are in the control of the southern state. 
Fugitive diamantaire Nirav Modi has filed an application in the High Court in London seeking permission to appeal against his extradition order in the Supreme Court of the United Kingdom. Earlier this month, Nirav Modi lost an appeal on grounds of mental health. A British High Court bench ruled that his risk of suicide was not such that it would be unjust to extradite him to India on charges of money laundering and fraud. Nirav Modi still remains behind bars at Wandsworth Prison in London. The UK Home Office sources have said that it is unknown when the extradition process will take place since legal challenges are still open. The entire process may follow into 2023 given the Christmas holiday period next month. The Crown Prosecution Service, acting on behalf of the Indian authorities, is now expected to respond to the latest application, following which a High Court judge is to give a ruling on paper without a full hearing. Pakistan has named Lieutenant General Asim Munir as chief of its army. Munir's appointment comes amid tensions between the military and former Prime Minister Imran Khan, who blames the army for a role in his ouster earlier this year. Previously Pakistan's chief spy, Munir will take over the new role from outgoing General Kamar Javed Bajwa, who retires this month after a six-year term, according to the Defence Ministry. The military establishment plays a highly influential role in the governance of the nuclear-armed nation. Defence Minister Khwaja Asif said that Munir's appointment is based on merit, law and as per constitution. On Wednesday, outgoing Army Chief Bajwa said that the military would have no role in national politics, terming as fake and false Khan's claims that a US-backed conspiracy had toppled his government. Imran Khan, who was injured in a gun attack earlier this month during anti-government protests, has vowed to continue calling for early elections and plans to lead an agitation on Saturday in Rawalpindi, which is home to the Army's headquarters. Despite strict measures to control COVID cases, China has recorded its highest number of daily infections since the pandemic began. Stringent lockdowns, meanwhile, continue to spark unrest. There is a surge in cases in several cities, including the Chinese capital Beijing and southern trade hub Guangzhou. The country recorded 31,527 cases on Wednesday, which is higher than the about 28,000 it saw during the peak in April when Shanghai was locked down. China's zero-COVID policy has helped control the situation, but also wrecked livelihoods in the country of 1.4 billion people. China had earlier relaxed some restrictions, reducing the quarantine period for close contacts from seven days in a state facility to five days and three days at home and stopping recording secondary contacts. Officials earlier tried to avoid blanket lockdown measures, but the central city of Zhengzhou is about to enforce an effective lockdown for six million residents from Friday, they said. Meanwhile, amid the consistent surge in infections, there were violent protests at a vast industrial complex belonging to iPhone manufacturer Foxconn. The company has apologized for a technical error in its payment systems. That's all the news we have for you today. Have a good day or good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. Catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport. Visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel.